back to the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III, and on this episode, we'll be talking to the newest low-cost Iceland airline, Play Airlines. But first, I want to let everyone know that we're bringing back our Connected Aviation Intelligence event, formerly known as the Global Connected Aircraft Summit, live in person June 1st through the 3rd at the Hyatt Regency Reston in the Washington, D.C. region. For more information, log on to gcasummit.com agenda. So on this episode, I recently had the chance to catch up with Play Airlines CEO Berger Johnson to learn how his team plans to use a no-frills approach to operating a growing fleet of Airbus A321neo aircraft and whether he would ever consider adding in-flight connectivity to their all-economy cabins. He also gives us some insight on launching an airline in the middle of a pandemic. So let's get into our conversation with Play CEO Berger Johnson. Okay, so, so I'm the CEO of, of, of FlyPlay or, or Play Airlines. Um, and I joined the company about a year ago, uh, just before, and actually took part in the, in the share raising uh, effort and, and then the listing on the stock exchange. Uh, but before that, I have been kind of in and out of aviation a little bit, but but it's not really my um, my background as such. I was uh, deputy CEO of uh, Wow Air uh, for a t- period of time in 2014 to 16, I think. And then I was the CEO of another Icelandic low-cost airline called Iceland Express in uh, 2004 to six. But then I just have a like a general background in in management. I've lived in Asia and Eastern Europe and and London and 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 of course here in Iceland, uh, and and have been involved in various uh, industries and, and business. But but now I'm here and and we are, uh, you know, building the company and 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 taking some big steps into the future. Right. And, you know, I, I actually first became uh, aware of Play last year when you first launched uh, Flights Within Europe. Uh, and I know this is a question you probably get asked a lot, but uh, really interested in, in learning, you know, how you were able to launch this airline, you know, kind of in the middle of a pandemic when there was so much uncertainty with air travel, especially within Europe uh, here in the U.S. as well. But, you know, how, how was it, how were you able to just launch the airline and, you know, get the business behind it uh, last year during the pandemic? Yeah, no, that's a very good question. Uh, I mean, uh, we are the company is, has like a shared DNA with with Wow Air. So when Wow collapsed in 2019, there was a group of uh, management uh, and and key employees that got together and wanted to to build the company again, and uh, and that's kind of the foundation of Play. Uh, then shortly after COVID hit and uh, and those plans were delayed, but they were always working on the on the foundation, the AOC and and kind of the uh the the operational structure of the company uh with some support from some uh group of kind of angel investors um and and then we are in a market here in iceland which is has been has been seeing a a great growth in in tourism and travel in the last 10 years and tourism has been has become one of the biggest um, export uh or or biggest um, um employment sector or sectors of industry here in this small country so it was always clear to 
to investors that once COVID would lift or, or that would be in remission, uh, there would be a huge growth period that would, would ensue. Um, and, uh, and so we were able to kind of gather around us um, actually quite a strong group of, of investors. We have pension funds, there's in, uh, insurance companies, private equity, and, uh, and a lot of uh, individuals. I mean, I think our share offering was eight times oversubscribed when we launched on the NASDAQ first growth, uh, first North market growth market in, in, in last year. And we raised about $90 million, basically based on that, that, that people could see that going into a proven market with a proven business model, with a management team that had previous experience, uh, basically launching an airline uh, that is debt-free, we, we have no interest paying debt, uh, that could be an interesting interesting exercise. And, um, and uh, obviously, when you come into a slump in the market, like, like someone said, never, you never waste a good crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, if you if you are cash rich as as we are and, and were when we when we listed, uh, there was a lot of opportunities. Actually, we could we could secure precisely the right um, types of aircraft, brand new, basically aircraft uh, Airbus 320, 321 Neo uh, for 10, 12 years uh, uh, lease contracts into the future. Uh, we already secured 10 of those uh, and our business plan dictates that we need 15. So basically going into a market that is, that's in a downturn, you know, it's it's a buyer's market. So we were able to secure a, a pretty, I would say, a low cost base for the company going into the future. And, and investors could kind of believe in that. That's interesting. I have to ask a follow-up question. You mentioned tourism is a you know a big industry there. Um, you know, considering that the, the time that you launched, there wasn't a lot of business travel that was occurring at the time, uh, but there was you know still a lot of uh, passengers flying leisure flights, especially you know here domestically in the U.S. and of course uh, inter-European flights. Um, can I just ask about that? Was were you able to sort of get passenger demand right away based on that? Uh, kind of reality existing at the time and, and still in, in a lot of ways is the existence uh, leisure travels kind of leading business travel. But I just wanted to ask you that is that was that kind of an entry point that you were able to capture kind of right away upon launch? Yeah, we are ex actually extreme, extremely successful in in getting into uh, the leisure market in Iceland, basically Icelandic uh, Icelandic people going to South Europe for mm. for sunny holidays during the summer and and also winters and and on those flights I'm talking about places like uh, southern Spain you know Alicante Tenerife uh, Barcelona these kind of places we have like ninety hundred percent load factor on those flights and have have had since we started um, we are a low cost airline so our, fo our, our focus is the leisure market uh, but I always I have a kind of a pet hate of, of this kind of clear definition of what the market is. I mean, what is a leisure passenger and what is a business passenger? Because I think so many people are traveling in some kind of a business um, for business purposes, but they don't necessarily have to go on a business class and sit in front of the aircraft and, and drink champagne. You know, they so many small companies, you know, technicians going on be between countries to fix machines or, or someone going on a conference, whatever. It's uh, I don't think the market is as clearly uh, kind of defined. When you look at the Keflavik airport, the Icelandic uh, airport, uh, 
this this business model has been in in function for decades, probably since the 1960s, basically to to connect uh, Iceland uh, or Europe to 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 US with a stop in Iceland. 90% of those passengers are defined as leisure passengers, but you don't you only have to go to the airport and you can see that th that's not the case. I mean, you have a lot of solo travelers. You have you see a lot of people that are going through the airport on some kind of a business. So our focus is and the touch and feel of the brand is is leisure but you know i think we 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 get a reasonably good uh foothold in in both those worlds that's interesting and and you mentioned uh aircraft the a320 neo earlier and that was actually my my exact next question was that you did select the a320 uh, and i believe you have a321s as well that you'll be flying to the us uh as you know your fleet plan can you just talk about why you chose that particular aircraft and uh what it allows you you know what how it allows you to have a unique business model uh i mean it's a it's a very it's a, you know it's a it's a it's a very fuel efficient aircraft uh, it's the, the technical re reliability is great on those aircraft um, it's it's kind of the right size especially if you if you mix the 320 with the 321 uh, we have about 170 seats on the 320 and about 214 on the 321s so that gives you also a mix on the um, on the uh, on the routes, depending on the on the on the on the demand, and there's also full communa communality between those aircraft types. Uh, so so we can utilize the same crew and training and all that. So for for a low cost airline that needs to utilize the aircraft as much as we do, because we are pro probably flying flying in, in the hub and spoke system. The the, pro the aircraft is probably in the air like 19, 20 hours a day. Uh, and you need that kind of reliability and, and, of course, fuel efficiency. I mean, looking at the news today, I mean, fuel efficiency is the, mm -hmm. is the key to everything. So it, it is the it, it's the most sought after, I guess, aircraft type in the world. Um, and uh, and there's a huge um, and you only have to look at the problems that Boeing is in. I mean, they, there's a gap in their program for this kind of aircraft. They don't have an answer to it. Right. You, you know, a follow-up question on that, uh, since you do operate the A320, I mean, what's the status of your fleet size today? And can you also just give some background on, I mean, how you're looking to grow your fleet maybe over the next few years or so? Yeah, we, we actually pride ourselves on not having big ambitions of, of being too big, you know, because we want to we want to be the right size for this model because our existence and, and profitability relies upon utilizing Iceland as a hub. It, it will always be really difficult for us to f begin to fly point to point within Europe or something. So we have to define our our market, uh, you know, position as, as as in this defined market. So that means that we, we don't want to have too many aircraft. And, and in fact, our fleet plan is such that we have currently today, we have three 321s, NEO. We are taking delivery now of two uh, 320 neos now in the next weeks actually and we already have them but they're not already in iceland uh, and then we are adding another 321 neo also now in the spring so we will have six from this spring and then we are adding another four next spring then two and then three so we will basically grow up to 15 in 2025 and and so we're we're taking the expansion steps in the springs 
spring each year and and that's just to flux to to kind of re react to the growing demand obviously in the summer season and because we don't want to have too much capacity in the winter because this is a really really seasonal market and we don't really have any place to shift the capacity too much so we have to we have to be the correct size for this market dy dynamic interesting and I, I have to ask also about uh, just your brand play and you know first seeing your aircraft is really stark red and immediately kind of made me think of uh, a really tech driven kind of young and youthful uh, airline and I wanted to ask you about uh, the passenger experience and sort of maybe in-flight uh, strategy that you have now a lot of uh, low-cost carriers here in the US and there in, in Europe as well do not feature in-flight Wi-Fi or connectivity and, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I mean, you know, is that something that you would consider in the future? Are you featuring it now? Is it, uh, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, that important for the type of traveling and flying that uh, your passengers are doing? I, I think that it's probably important for everyone. I mean, everyone would love to have Wi-Fi, you know. Uh, it has proven to be quite spotty in, over the Atlantic, actually. Uh, so so uh, it's it's at least in my personal experience, it's usually that I'm quite frustrated. I'm, I'm buying something and it doesn't really work, especially especially in this kind of uh, when you're when you're over over the water so much. But uh, uh, the, the the answer is basically no. We, we we don't offer it, and I don't think we actually will do because it is adding complexity, is adding weight to the aircraft, and and uh, and. Uh, I think that our focus has to be on on pro providing the lowest prices and having the lowest cost, and 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 people have their iPhones and I iPads and all that stuff. We have in seat power in most of our aircraft uh, that are that are coming, uh, and um, and I think that's that's about it. Uh, apart from the apart from that, we have an all economy product. Uh, we have three seat pitches, uh, you know going from standard economy to to like a medium slightly slightly longer and then to some kind of a premium pitch but not not any difference in seats not business class or anything like that and and people are no and no difference in service so it's only kind of an extra product that you can buy once you've booked your ticket you can also book a better seat at a at a better price or at a, at a certain price so so it, it is a no frills product uh, you buy your meals and you buy your 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 beverages uh, you you pay for your check luggage and all that stuff which is I think almost standard now in, in most airlines that at least that I traveled on so it, it is a no frills it's a no frills service but we basically our whole purpose is to be able to offer the the one of the lowest prices in in the market so so it has to come from somewhere, and and if 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 people are if that's the right demographic, then we are the right choice. If people want a more complex product, then there's probably other choices that fit better. Right, and I you know people probably understand when they're, they're flying low cost that that is uh, you know one of, one of the things you maybe give up. Uh, but and let me ask you about so you guys are now expanding to the U.S. You've added uh, Orlando as your fourth destination here in the U.S. I'm just curious about why you chose Orlando specifically. Um, do you see that as you know kind of a, a market you can be competitive on, a route you can be competitive on? 
Yeah, I mean, the other three markets uh, or, or destinations we have is is, is Boston, uh, Washington, and, and New York Stewart in, in, uh, in New York. Um, and and the, the passengers that are booking those tickets are mostly U.S.-based. Hmm. So probably 70% of them are U.S.-based. Um, with Orlando, that's that's a winter destination, uh, and and uh, most most of the passengers are coming from Iceland or from Europe. Uh, there there's some mix that I, I, I foresee will come from the U.S., but that's a that's a little bit of a different dynamic because the prices at the end of the day also are really high, and we just analyzed the market and we could see that you know we could easily come into the market and and offer significantly lower prices than than the, than the competition is doing and still be quite happy so so it's basically we just saw it as a market that that uh, we could we could uh, create a cre- create a market share for us and we're we're just trying to be guided by by data and and uh, and going where we see the demand and uh, just a, a follow-up question on that again about the aircraft. Um, the, sort of the unique thing about that uh, A321 XLR when um, Airbus first announced it a few years ago was JetBlue was talking about they could use it on you know domestic routes here in the U.S. and also fly to London. And I wanted to ask you about that as well. Uh, is, is, do you see that just as kind of a, a game-changing aircraft that you can use domestically in Europe and, and on uh, you know? flights across the Atlantic as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the aircraft we will use for Orlando is not XLR, it's LR. So it's it has LR, a, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it has one extra tank. But like you say, it's a completely, it's completely the same aircraft as, as the other 321. So it's absolutely the same. And in fact, our other 321s have the provision, so we could act, add extra tanks to them also. Uh, but but we, because our, our network, centers around Iceland, we do not really classify us as a, a long-haul operator, long-haul low-cost operator, because we, it's only about, from Iceland, for example, to Boston, it's only about five hours. Hmm. Uh, and from Iceland to Europe, it's only about maybe three hours. So you, you, it's, it's, you're never into the kind of seven, eight hours until you go to Orlando. Uh, but but looking at what's what's happened in Scandinavia, I mean SAS was launching I think last week a direct flight from Copenhagen to Dallas, Washington, uh, using uh, an LR. Uh, so so these kind of narrow body products are coming into the long haul market, and I think it's going to be a game changer for sure because it's a completely different um, model and cost structure than operating any kind of a white body uh, aircraft. Right. And, you know, as my final question, I just wanted to ask, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about you launching this airline, you know, in the middle of a pandemic. And obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty at that period. Do you feel like now, and especially as you do add this fourth destination in Orlando, that that period of uncertainty is over? Um, you know, how, how do you how do you feel as you look at the rest of 2022? Um, is the sort of the uncertainty that COVID brought on? over or are we still within that time period i mean crazy crazy times these days i mean yesterday i mean yesterday we had the news here in iceland that that the government was lifting all covid restrictions and opening opening all, all the borders and we've seen that happening across europe in the last week week or two uh, then we had one day and then we have we're on the brink of world war three you know <laughs> right i don't know but the, this crazy aviation world you know but uh, i mean Looking at the demand, we have seen, and I, I, I see every all airlines and all 
people in tourism talk about this. There's a huge growth in, in bookings that basically began to happen just just in the new year, early January. Mm. And and looking at our booking trends now, I could say that from now the spring, let's say March, April, we are almost at a normal year in terms of how, how booking trends are looking. Uh, what will happen if, if 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 there's World War Three? It's another story. But but so far, at least, so good. And and uh, and I really hope that we are we are beginning to look at better times. But but the thing that happened with us that is that our investors and and the market is really looking at this long term. So we had we had uh, we have the funding, we have the cash available that even if there would be a new variant or or some kind of a temporary downturn, we could also weather that. So we, we have that flexibility. But I'm really hoping that we are we are out of the woods and, and we are beginning to see the sun come up. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on the Apple iOS Podcast app or any smartphone or tablet podcasting application. Feel free to rank and comment on our podcast as well to let us know how we can improve. It also helps others find the podcast. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast.